At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast. A podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world. We're your host, Jared and James, and today we're talking Lorcana with a local game store owner. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to another week. Last week we caught up with Adara on her TCG on her TCG journey. And today we're talking with our good friend Travis from Kingslayer Games in Southern California. We are so excited to have on our good friend. Uh, so welcome, Travis. How are you today? I'm doing good, doing good. Just uh, another another busy week in the uh, trading card world. So, uh, so yeah, just keep my head down and plugging away. Yeah, there's some there's some new stuff coming out. Uh, like at least one new thing coming out this week or next week. Yeah. Right. So we've we've got um, Yu-Gi-Oh 25th anniversary uh, set releases. There's they're re-releasing the first five sets of the game, so that comes out on Friday. And uh, Flesh and Blood, uh, new set, Dust, Dust Till Dawn, comes out on Friday as well. So we have a lot of Flesh and Blood players um, in both of our stores. It's actually the, it's the most popular game among staff. Um, everyone kind of plays Magic, and uh, about half of our, our store staff play, play Pokemon or other games. But for you know, Flesh and Blood, they're, they're really big on that. So they're really hyped. Yes. So, so funny. Be- go ahead. It's so funny because we're sitting in our own little world here, which is Lorcana. And you have to deal with things that are beyond Lorcana. So to hear you talk about other things going on, I'm just like, the world doesn't revolve around Lorcana. Yeah, it's it's um, I end up being quite disconnected from from the actual games now, just because we're we're in multiple locations. So it's it's uh, bittersweet. Um, But yeah, it's it's fun because you know places like Gamma and Gen Con, I get to be more product level at times than than when i'm in the stores but um but yeah it, it is the cycle is is brutal and um you know magic upped their release schedule years ago to be you know every other week it feels like and then timing that with all the other games and all the other organized play and in multiple locations it, it can make your head spin but i have a, a really awesome team so that's it, uh, it makes it a lot easier that's awesome so you actually did mention being able to go to gamma and that's actually where we met you uh yeah that was a lot of gamma. fun yeah, and so not only were you fortunate enough to meet you there, but also be able to meet you because that's where I'm going to get to play is at the Fountain Valley location because that's just a half an hour from me, roughly. And cool. uh, I think that's pretty awesome. So was your first, you know, what was your impression uh, coming away from Gamma about Lorcana? Yeah, it, I think it was great that they identified that as a good opportunity Um 
for for Robinsberger to be there meant meant that they they knew that was the place to be and I think that was there was some signals from um I'm not what's Ryan's last name Miller 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 so the, there's some signals that, that um I think whenever a new game comes out if I'm trying to pay attention and have my ear to the ground uh, we like to obsess obsession is a word that we use a lot um it's one of our values we just try to be obsessed with card games and so when a new game is coming out, we put our ear to the ground. We're trying to, you know, hear from our community. And when we see that, um, you know, Ryan's resume in in launching trading card games and the fact that they identified Gamma as the place to be to really be ground level with store owners, it, those were all good good signs. It was like, okay, cool. Like I'm going through my list of, of reasons, you know, that that I'm excited about um, this having um, legs and longevity. Like that, those boxes were all getting checked. Which, you know, we didn't really put. Um, Flesh and Blood or MetaZoo or all these other games really through those same tests, but to see that this was happening just meant I think it just means that that has a, has all the opportunities and the chances to to succeed. I wanted to ask you. We came away from Gamma thinking that Lorcana was the buzz of the conference, and certainly like Star Wars Shatterpoint was there as well. That had a lot of buzz. But uh, did you have the same impression as us? Did you feel like it had a lot of buzz? Yeah, I I mean it was. Quite honestly, it was the reason why we ended up going. We went the year prior. Um, it, it was the first, our first Gamma, our first really like um, B2B conference for the hobby. Whereas before I, I had so much going on in my own little world in the stores and so many projects to work on that I, I hadn't, I kind of falsely, um, I, I didn't prioritize properly the importance of that show. And for anyone that's you know in the industry that hasn't been to Gamma, um, that's that's maybe owns a store or is thinking about owning a store, a lot of people go to that show because it's a great place to learn how to run a business. Um, especially if you're if maybe you're not business minded and you're just coming into the hobby from um, purely a fan perspective. So there's so much value just at that show in general for um, for prospective store owners or people that are new to the industry and people that have been in the industry a long time. So it was our first Gamma two years ago was after owning the store for for five years and it was like you don't know what you don't know and the and the amount of things we drove home with thinking like wow like this mind's blown and so going to our second show we, we kind of same thing there's so much going on in my in our my uh, family life and my work life and trying to see like does it make sense to go and then i saw I think I got the Gamma catalog like the week before Gamma this year and we had we planned on not you know we were kind of just going to brush it off and then I saw that oh you know, shoot, Lorcana is going to be there. So, and it was like, okay, to what extent? And it's like, oh yeah, they're really going to, they're actually like going to be a pretty like present, um, uh, you know, entity at Gamma. So we should probably go to Gamma. So we, we did. And that, and then, and that was really, I think, I'm assuming that other stores were doing that. I, I guess I don't know that for certain. It that definitely was, you know, they filled up their conference uh, pretty quickly. So I think um, it was the right call and, and have ch a chance to, to meet Ryan and to, uh, be able to demo the game and to you know, make connections with you all. I think it just, it, it goes to show that like there's, you know, pure, person to person in-person networking is still alive and well. And it, yeah. it, uh, it, uh, it definitely connects some dots for sure. Yeah. I definitely noticed that there was, uh, that seemed to be one of the major things was a chance for people from all the different levels of the business to actually have a chance to interact with each other more than just, you know, placing orders or whatever it may be. They're in there. Like you said, you're in your own world with your, your family and your store, but 
you rely on the manufacturers and the distributors and it's yeah, it looked like it was a really good chance for just everybody to come together and have a chance to interact with each other for once yeah it's it's um it's really a special thing for especially for folks that are, don't mind getting out of their comfort zone because we so there's um like a re, the retailer seminars um for stores to uh, did did you did you all do any of the retailer seminars like for I guess it might have been the day before. I don't know if that that if that was part of your um, your badge where you could go and like you know, other store owners like kind of present how to run a, the store. Is that something that you guys participated in? I don't no. think we went to any of of those. I I think we were limited to the when it was retailer only. Was I think when it was vendors okay. just showing off stuff that was limited to retailers. Okay. Um, yeah. But other things we could have gone to. It's just you know we had other things that we needed to do or. You know, it didn't seem like it was something that uh, would impact us enough to actually go and and listen to sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Which and this might this might kind of uh, be a tangent off of the the main the main drive here. But uh, again, for folks that industry folks that um, are either thinking about starting a business in the industry or, or are in in the industry, it is there's so much value in that those conferences because it's basically other store owners from across North America and some some from Europe that come in and share best practices of how they run their business and um, the the takeaways that we get from that are so huge. And then 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 you have all that those fun you know shared learnings and then you walk into the show floor a couple of days later and then you get to you know put your hands on all the products and and, and meet. Um, other folks too so yeah just a great a great experience all around man i almost feel like uh, gamma should be sponsoring this episode okay so moving on from gamma um back to lorcana um tell us from the perspective of a local game store owner what first caught your eye about lorcana and were you immediately sold on it i mean i guess you talked about putting your ear to the ground and doing your research but uh, what ultimately brought you around to being sold on it? Yeah, I think I think for us, if it's a trading card game, we're probably in anyways. So, I, um, but if I was to answer that question as maybe a store that's like, you know, board game, RPG, war gaming, and like dabbles in TCGs and, you know, whether or not they were going to be in, um, I think you, you just look at, you know, the, the creator, the design behind it, um, the IP and you just, and it, I guess the level of how much you commit just depends on, um, how big trading card games are in your market and where you're located. Like we're in Southern California. It's a, a huge tr TCG community for, for magic, for Pokemon. Um, so it's and, and the ability for people that are into competitive play to travel from, you know, the border all the way up to San Francisco, like, you know, Pre-COVID, the Magic um, community, the competitive scene, you know, there was Grand Prix in the U.S. almost every weekend, and our players in Southern California would just fly to every Grand Prix in the U.S. like constantly. Like the, the competitive scene for for TCGs in our area is just huge. So, mm -hmm. um, to and to, to I guess to circle back, I think you know the IP is is great. Um, I, I the the fact that the design seems to be in the right the right hands. And then from the collectability standpoint, this is something we learned at Gamma. But it, you know, the, to learn that they're the the quality control, the foiling process, like some of those those nuanced things that I think some games just kind of overlook it and maybe don't spend the extra buck on getting that right. Like it seemed like they were investing in uh, the card quality in, in that process um, pretty well too. Like seeing the foils and stuff at, at the show felt felt really nice. Yeah, and so you mentioned the 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 competitive scene, which is you know 
rip my ability to be able to do well if there's that many competitive players around here. Sure. <laughs> as a as a not having played TCGs pretty much ever except for 20 years ago. Um so about organized play, uh I know we don't really know a lot of specifics about the organized play that's coming for Lorcana, but do you want to talk like in general uh stuff about like for people that are coming in that haven't done organized play before, like what is your opinion about what's a good event both for mm -hmm. you and for the community of the players coming in? Yeah. So we, we made a shift um, through COVID and, and after we re we re entered the event space um, post COVID, we made a conscious decision to be a store that is for the casual player and like kind of an on-ramp store for, for players getting into the hobby. We did a lot of the like really competitive magic, the gathering community stuff. And and we excelled at that. We had our own invitational tournaments and we did Twitch streaming and we had our own uh, we had invitationals offsite over at um, a golf course at Mile Square Park in Fountain Valley and and, uh, and had a pro team that traveled across the country and qualified for pro tours. So we have a lot of history supporting um, high level competitive play um, with like, you know, where we would compensate our players to travel and all this kind of stuff. And so we have experience in that. And then uh, we also have experience on the casual side and the thing, the casual side is so much more um, rewarding to teach new people and, and get them into the hobby. I feel um, kind of the, the something I, I've said in the past. One of my shticks is that for for the the hobby store, when I got into the industry um, eight years ago, now I came I had a sales background and opened my store, and I thought I thought it was a, a competition, and we were all trying to put each other out of business, and that was kind of my like, okay, we're Kingslayer Games, we're here to we're here to you know kick everyone's butt and slay and the slay and um and then I realized you know that's really not how this community works. There's enough to go around for everyone. The product really, in a lot of ways, sells itself. Uh, people are going to be going to buy Pokemon booster boxes whether or not you know I tell them to or not. They're just going to do it. Um, but the thing that wasn't happening in local game stores was creating a safe environment, really enforcing rules of inclusivity, not having any exclusionary language, having a code of conduct, having a mission statement, having values, having a clean bathroom, having a clean store, like those basic things weren't really happening. And so we just decided, hey, let's just do the basics. Let's have a, a fun environment where we can onboard as many players as we can. And it's our job to protect the hobby. We're, um, I, the local game store is a steward of the hobby. It's a, it's a partnership and a relationship with the players. Um, and each each uh, game is kind of like its own candle that we, we're like the community and the store. We're kind of like protecting it and keeping it alive. And sometimes, you know, Flesh and Blood is, is a game that we started and we started that organized play process in, in Oceanside, for, which is our, our second store. We had maybe three players that were wanting to play Flesh and Blood and, and a staff member. And they're like, all right, well, let's, we're going to have four every week and we're going to try to get a fifth and then a sixth. And, and now it's up to like 16, 17 players every week. And it really is a matter. It, it, is, it takes time and effort if you really want the community to, to grow. So, so, you know, we decided that that was the method for us to, to bring players in and to, to tie that into your question about OP for, for Lorcana. You know, we're going to be the store that if there's, um, yeah, if if they if they say, hey, here's organized play month one, each store gets like eight Mickey promos, that's it or something, and like everyone, yeah, you know, we want we're not going to be the store that says, all right, we're going to have some like deathmatch, you know, cutthroat event where 
winner takes all. We're, we're the type of uh, environment where we would do, you know, hey, half of the prizing we're gonna, you know, raffle away to to anyone that just attends, and then you know, it's 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 a very casual pri prizing model that we usually use because we want to give everyone the opportunity to to um, benefit from from that. So um, so yeah, casual onboarding. I think that's and and the way that they announced Lorcana is that, you know not having competitive play at the start. I think is makes a ton of sense, especially for the IP to not have some, you know, cutthroat um, on, on ramp. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I have a follow-up question for you. You talked about how you made the switch to fostering casual play. Do you find yourself getting a constant influx of casual players? And also when a casual player decides they want to turn competitive, do you still have that environment or do they have to go somewhere else? Like I'm still so new to all this. So for Lorcana, I don't know, you know, whatever version of organized play that's offered um, from Ravensburger for Lorcana will will participate in. So if they have some sort of, if they kind of ratchet up to competitive and they have other offerings, cool. Um, Pokemon right now, for example, still hasn't really brought back world championships in the way that it was before. Um, but they have like we organize weekly play and then they have a thing called league cups and the league cups you have the opportunity to earn points that help you qualify for worlds so those events just inherently become more competitive um you know every or every game has has like a, a casual and like a sweaty version of, of play usually so uh, and, and we do support both but not um because we're so focused on onboarding, I think pl people and, and players know like th this is the store that you go to to have a good time. And if you want the store that has like a thousand dollar cash prize, like they exist there around, and you can go play there. And we're and a lot of our players and our staff will go and play in those events. Like that's uh, we don't and we so we support those stores too. We just find it's it's more fun to 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 care about the the experience of you know building friendships um, and, and 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 then. You know, we'll, secondary fact: if if there is a more competitive thing, we'll consider it. Type of, you know, we'll, we'll go there if we have to, which is great. It, it hits like right right in our wheelhouse, and I think it all the rubber will meet the road when like allocations and or they talk about like quantities of promos stores get and stuff, and then that's where you know it, everything flies off the handle. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been to a handful of organized play events. Um, before Lorcana, I was playing My Hero Academia, and I actually just got back in for the pre-release, which I'm sure if you carry it, you just went through that. Um, but I know that there are these unwritten codes of conduct that exist um, for players that come in and play. But and, and you talked about this a little bit in your last answer, how there's uh, these unwritten rules. Um, from your point of view, what are the do's and don'ts for organized players? Yeah, I, th I think it's um, oh, that's a good question. So we we have a code of conduct, and and one of the things is you know actually, actually let me see if I can I should have pulled it up. Um, you know, winning and losing you know with pride you know is, is something that that's important I think is important. I, I'm a pretty bad example of this. I'm a really sore loser, <laughs> so <laughs> like I'm I'm competitive and I want to win. I, playing in a Kingslayer store is actually um, in some ways kind of difficult for me because i i'm competitive so i want to win but then if i win i've i've like i've had the opportunity to, cr to create a negative experience for someone that's in my store and i'm not a good card player so like i me winning is very is, is quite infrequent but if i do win it's like this uh it's this weird like catch 22 and i shouldn't feel that way but i actually enjoy 
if I if I am going to play a card game, I, I enjoy playing like Commander that's like really casual or um, or playing at another store, honestly, because it's it doesn't like have the opportunity to create that that moment. Um, yeah, in terms of code, if, if someone has is like um, new to card games, I'm trying to like uh, uh, erase my memory from before I, I stepped into that. And I, I didn't really play any card games before opening the store. I, I can't I had a business background and uh, opened a comic book store and then people wanted to play card games. So I, I learned through ownership, which is like kind of a, a weird path. Um, <laughs> so fascinating. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole, I mean, we could, if we have time, I can go over the, you know, the shotgun version of, of zero to 60 on how the store started. But the, I think for people that have not played an in-person card game and have only played maybe video games and played, you know, Warzone or World of Warcraft or so like all their gaming experiences are like through a, through a device. I, I, I could imagine that's pretty intimidating, but there's, there's like a, there's a rush that comes from playing a competitive, even though Lorcana isn't quote unquote competitive, you're still playing one versus one. And there's like some sort of stakes, like there's some sort of entry fee and some sort of prizing and it gets your heart rate going. You're it's kind of like, man, I don't want to mess up. Like, I don't want to misplay. I don't want to drop my cards. Like you can really kind of be heady about, um, about that experience, but the rush of it is super fun and winning or losing. Like there is like a, a heart rate change in just the experience of playing a card game in person that, um, that you can't really emulate in other, other modes. So yeah, I think code of conduct that, you know, Pokemon has like a, a required handshake before the game starts. And so that's, I think that's really, and I think, and is it before and after the game, um, you know, there's stuff, all games talk about things like not using exclusionary language and stuff like that. But um, I think just, you know, having a positive attitude, win, lose, or draw, and um, just, you know, getting to know your your opponent. I like, I love to do that and ask them. I, I just, I, I like to talk and I like to listen, <laughs> but I, I like to ask just, you know, what kind of work are you in or um, how, how long of a drive did you have? Or just, you know, having a, a conversation with the player while you're playing makes it a lot more enjoyable. And then if you do lose, um, that, and it, you, you kind of, you know, it, the sour taste of that kind of goes away because you've probably built a relationship. And this person might be someone that you, you know, for, for years, like, that's the great part about the, the TCG community is you, um, you both are into that intellectual property or into that game for some reason. And you came to that store and, um, and you'll, you know, you'll meet, there's so many friendships and lifelong you know, friendships that have been made just from, from playing at Kingslayer stores over the last eight years that that part, that part's really fun. It's, it's fun to, you know, take a, take a breath and step back and look at the people that have, um, you know, the quality of their lives have, have improved through networking through in-store play. So I think that's um, having an open mind and just being positive And um, I think it's the best way to go. That sounds really good. Um, so Speaking of, you know, uh, the community and Jared, he has mentioned uh, that he wants to really help his local store to get these events going and foster that community. Um, so from the other side of the person who there may be someone like Jared coming to you saying, I want to help, um, what are the kind of things that you would be comfortable or would be looking for, for from someone who is coming to you with doing that? Yeah, I think having com community advocates, um, whether or not they're staff members or just, you know, players in the community, um, depending on, I'm not sure if the store that you're going to play at, Jared, has has a Discord, but a lot of times just having, you know, being, uh, however they organize and, and network their community, just being active in whatever that is. And for us, um, for us, that's Discord. So 
I think there, there's ways that, to incentivize. I know there's a store um, that presented at Gamma uh, Games of Berkeley and their Discord manager. He's kind of like their social media guru. Um, his name's escaping me right now, but he he's very active in their Discord and they end up, they, their store has been around forever and they have a huge Discord community and organized play for all sorts of games. But they, they in Discord, they identify those community members as, with different roles and they have like, you know, certain privileges and uh, they may end up getting you know, things like, um, like moderator privileges and stuff like that to help uh, the community. And they might um, get promos or some sort of giveaways. So they ha might have a way of incentivizing um, that relationship. So um, that's always great. And it's a, so it's so rewarding when you already have someone that's like, hey, I want to be a banner holder for this game. Like, tell me what you need. Because um, the, the, the odds of that game being successful in that store like go up dramatically, exponentially. So um, yeah, hope, hopefully the store, they may not have the tools or the resources to really invest in a proper Discord management or proper social media management, but um, hopefully they can at least identify you and appreciate you for 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 you know offering that assistance, um, but yeah, I think it's just just a matter of like how however they're networking, like plugging that banner holder in. Yeah, that's great advice. And sadly, <clears throat> the store that I was planning on creating an environment in, they were approved to be a hobby store program, so they can sell Lorcana, but they weren't approved for organized play. So I've been laying all this groundwork, and now I just feel like it's been been for nothing. So. Uh, I'm trying to identify, like, I know a handful of stores. I live in Las Vegas, so there's a handful of stores that have been approved for organized play. So now I'm trying to figure out which store that is. And then I'm like more than willing to carry that banner. I want to make, everybody says, like when I go to different stores that Vegas is a magic town. Every other game has a hard time succeeding here, but I, I feel like there's room for Lorcana to flourish right alongside uh magic and Pokemon. No, is is the um is the they got so they got approved to carry product but not for the hobby store program. So those, they, those, those different things. So there's two classifications. There's the hobby store program where they're allowed to sell product. And then there's uh, stores that are, were approved for organized play. Okay. And I, I mean, I don't know. There's so much we don't know, but I hear people say that if you weren't approved for organized play, your store may not be getting product during the first wave. So okay. that's kind of like a big ouch for me. <laughs> if it's true. There's, yeah, there's definitely going to be, um, because we we buy from all three distributors at two stores, and so there's this there's a little bit of a politicking with what store like the which distributor we picked will prioritize us with the product, and then the other two that we said no to are kind of they end up being like, oh, you didn't pick us. It's like, well, you know, we wish we we could pick all of you, but <laughs> so I so it'll be interesting to see how allocations line up from the ones we picked versus the ones we didn't, but. Um, yeah, I, it's it's a shame that that's the that what's how far away is the next closest store that got approved for the program? Yeah, so I mean, I still have a couple stores I heard about in the same driving distance. The mm -hmm. store that I was going to make my main was about twenty minutes away, and there's easily two others within twenty minutes that I can drive to. That's one of the perks of living in a big city, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of we did. Um, uh, before we opened our second location, we toured Las Vegas and we toured the Phoenix area to just, just canvas all the stores. And so we went, this was 2021. Um, 
April 2021, and we went and just just hit every single store in Vegas, and so it was it was a lot of fun to kind of map a bunch of data points and did they greet us at the door and you know, that kind of stuff, and it was it was uh, it was pretty interesting. But you're you're good at this. I'm I'm impressed. <laughs> no, it's uh, it, building retail experiences is the thing I like to do, um, and and so it it it's a lot of fun it, and. To be able to do it in an uh, industry that has anything to do with gaming and nerd stuff just make, is an added bonus. Um, but yeah, I think you'll you'll find the right store, and I think the I don't know for for you to be this passionate about the game, like the you know a store should just like pull you in and be like you're you're our guy, and then and you'll have that that home store. Yep, that's the plan. So this is more of a logistics question. Um, but how do you decide how much product to order? I mean, we're we hear all this talk about allocation recently, and it's something I've never really thought about before. But now that it now that I'm thinking about it, it seems like you may as well be like shaking a magic eight ball. Like I hear some people say they over order by like hundred percent, hoping to get the amount that they want. Like how how does that whole process work? Yeah, it's it's probably easier to look at another game besides Lorcana. Um, sure. So most ga- most uh, manufacturers, they, they they basically tell all the distributors what their cutoff date is. So um, you could say, you could look at Legend Story Studios for Flesh and Blood. They'll tell um, their distributors and say, hey, we need all of your numbers of product that you want to order from us, the manufacturer, by X date. And so the distributors go out, they set their, their timetables with us. And this all happens, you know, pre-spoilers. So, um, Every single trading card game we have to put in pre-orders for, for uh, a wide range of products from, could be like trial decks and bundles and collector's editions and booster boxes, uh, generally before spoiler seasons. And so we're, we're kind of banking on, you know, magic eight ball type stuff basically <laughs> like or you know sometimes past data like if magic is doing another zendikar set that could be could be hot um you know sometimes there'll be like r- a rumor mill kind of thing happening where you can kind of oh we hear that the draft box is going to be good but don't touch the set box for this release and and it is just kind of a a game and and the margins on sealed product like generally aren't very good um by and large i'd say if you looked at um magic pokemon all, all the games that the sealed product is is not where we we you know flourish. It's going to be in the singles market and, and the secondhand uh, afterwards. So you just make your best guess and and you got to look at what you can live with. And it's all for us. It's always ca- a cash flow question. You know, hey, you know, like we're um, still building out our third store. That's uh, we're going to open the summer. And it you know there's a big magic set that's coming. The Commander Masters is coming out in a, in a few weeks and the like a set booster box for commander masters is like 400 bucks. And so we have to decide how many of those we want to like order. And it's like, well, I can't order that many. <laughs> like, so how, And there's been seven cards spoiled for the set and we don't want to, it's really, it's difficult because we don't want to pre-sale a ton of it um, at a certain price. Cause if the price fluctuates a ton, we don't want to have overcharged our customers or undercharged them. So that's why we like to wait as late as possible before setting price points. So it's, it's difficult and we get burned sometimes. And sometimes you, you do okay. Um, I think it's just a matter of like, you know, you don't want to put in more than you, than you, well, you, do, you don't want to be in a situation as a new store to where you over order and then you have to tell your distributor you don't want the product because um, it has an opportunity to create a, you know, a negative experience with that, with that vendor. But, you know, like you still have to run a business too. And, and if, if they give you, if it doesn't seem like you were going to get a lot and you do get a lot, then you can have conversations and there's, um, 
So, you know, the vendor relationships, the longevity, you know, we, a lot of our reps that we have in, um, from our Lorcana distributors, we've had these sales reps for a long time. So we've had, um, you know, we've had, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, rapport? rapport and, and negotiations over a lot of different facets of our, of our business relationship over the years. And so I think, you know, and, and we've you know, met with them at, at trade shows and we've had dinner with them and we, we, they know my vision for our growth we're opening a new store at least every other year. Um, and I, I want to grow faster than that if possible. So we like to make, I like to make Kingslayer look like a place that they want to partner with long-term. So that way when it, when, you know, when those decisions come for allocation or whatever, they know, okay, Hey, Kingslayer is invested in us. We're invested in them. And then, and that's, and then, you know, so that's, that's where I, I don't get too tied up and worried about allocations because um, we'll get what we get and we'll make the best of it. And that's, I think it's just a matter of, you know, when we were a store that only been around a year, we didn't get much of anything. And that was when we, I learned, okay, they, they've really, you know, distributors in this industry generally, um, value how long you've been in the industry, your annual spend over 12 months. Um, you know, each distributor ha uses a little bit of a, a different you know, calculation for how they, how they determine allocations, but you know, it's as fair as they want to make it seem so and i don't ha i can't affect it much other than just being you know being kind and trying to you know run the business as best as we can and provide a you know competitive uh wages for my employees and a, a fun place to play so i feel like if we do all that stuff and we're true to ourselves and our values then all the other stuff kind of kind of works itself out so generally speaking not necessarily about what may be surprising about lorcana because we don't know anything about lorcana yet really um, and you can also throw in, if you want, like you said, a, a shotgun explanation of how it all started, but what are some of the things about running a local game store that people may find surprising? Uh, let's see. I think I, I, um, I'm entrepreneur by, by nature. Like I, I, I had a sales background and I've worked, um, I've worked for, uh, for Staples and for UPS as in outside sales for the first like nine years of my career in a business to business selling environment. So I, I can, I can do the working in corporate America thing, but I, um, I really enjoy the flexibility of, um, being in control of the process from start to finish. So I think that's, um, that's the part that's probably the scariest part about owning your own business is it's, is, is there's that freedom, but if it fails, it is completely your fault. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. I think there's, um, that's the part that might be most surprising about running a, your own business in general, regardless of it being a trading card, um, set up, but, um, most surprising you get to go on podcasts. That's pretty fun. <laughs> Having a kick out of this. Yeah. I, th I mean, the flexibility is really neat and it's really unique. Um, I've got, I have a young family. So my, my children are 14, 10 and eight. So, um, and, and only one other staff member on my team, some coincidentally has, has children. So I, I, um, I really love the fact it, it's kind of weird, but I get to spend so much time with my, with my kids because I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and run my own business that that part is really, really nice. In the beginning, it wasn't like that. It's really tough to get you know, the first few years can be brutal. Um, but I think that's something that is really rewarding. Um, yeah, I think I think the community is very aware and appreciative of what it means to have a quality local game store. And I don't mean to necessarily like toot my own horn here, but 
people are so overwhelmingly appreciative when you've got a place that doesn't tolerate BS from, you know, that straggler, that, that one customer that's rude, that has a clean bathroom that really puts them first. Like it's, that part is really neat. Like we've, we've met and made some really awesome relationships over the last eight years. And, um, going back to the, our, the Fountain Valley store, our home store and seeing someone I haven't seen maybe in four or five years, and they're still coming and playing at F and M. Um, and, but they might be there with their kid or their, their buddy now. And, and just that part is really cool. It's all, it's, I, I would say it's akin to like a high school reunion, but it's, I didn't really love high school. So I don't know if it's for me, but um, it's, it's, it's like having, it's, it's having that community and that club of people that come back to, to share that experience um, and having that, that mutual appreciation, like it is a 50, 50 thing. Like we provide the space, they provide the community and they spend money. So like, this is a, a, a really awesome marriage. And that part, that part is really cool. I don't know if you can have, I don't know if you have that in any other industry. Um, you, a lot of times I'll compare our growth or like retail. I'll look at like a guitar center or Sephora beauty, or I'll look at GameStop or I look at like any other retail environment um, like the surf skate hobby sports, like that kind of stuff. Like I'm trying to think of any other retail hobby where like everyone's just like really excited about being there and coming back every week to enjoy shared experience in the hobby that they love. Like, uh, you know, guitar center is probably like, like some, some sort of music thing, like might be like kind of close because people like, a, you know, like the old school record stores. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That those are, there's some we're really not that ones. old James. Uh, <laughs> burn but yeah the uh um but yeah that that part is pretty cool i i really enjoy the the, com the community just is, is a lot of fun so i will say two of the things that impressed me about what you said is how you number one are obsessed with um uh, you said obsessed is one of your characteristics for your store like you're obsessed with providing a good experience uh um understanding the games and the players and the other thing that i really liked is that you said one of the things you're focused on is providing a top quality patient or uh, not patient i'm a chiropractor so <laughs> i i speak in terms of patients but you're uh, <laughs> a high quality customer experience and i think that's so appropriate living in southern california because that seems like something that like walt disney would do and the thing is is that people really do notice those things and they appreciate them. And like, I kind of want to drive down to California and go to one of your stores just to see what it's like. Yeah. Let me know when you're coming and we'll, uh, I think it'd be great. Out the red carpet. Red carpet. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, uh, it's been, yeah, it, we'd love to have you. And I think it's, um, we're definitely not, uh, we're you know, by far the, the best store in, in, in the U S or, or anything like that. I think, I think we're, there's, our Fountain Valley store is really kind of like, it was our survival model. It's in a warehouse. Like it wasn't, I never would intentionally design it the way it is now. It was just our, it was just the first, the first one is going to be the first one. And then um, each iteration past the first ends up getting a little bit more fine-tuned and polished. Um, and now Lake Forest, that experience will be the best version of like a Kingster that we've made. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, we love to have you down and, um, yeah, I think just the vibe, the vibe in the room is really neat in a full, a full Pokemon or magic or Lorcana event night. Like, um, there's just a buzz of excitement, especially on like a pre-release or a launch that, that, um, that's really contagious. Oh man, I can't wait. So last question here and maybe 
maybe you can't answer this one because you said that you're so busy with the day-to-day stuff you don't get a lot of time with the cards but oh no is there any electronic card that has you excited like is there anything (laughs) that you saw where like that's a card that i want for my collection on like there's been i've been on on ebay which i not not a fan but i've been on ebay looking at that that like d23 collection that like is like five or six cards that first one that came out and i've almost bought that so many times just because (laughs) so uh, every time i'm like what am i going to do with this like how long am i going to have to sit on it before like i even want to put it for sale in the store but that set and like that that mickey um yeah yeah that 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 looks pretty cool like i i um i think the foiling yeah outside outside of that i i can't think of any specific cards i just remember i remember seeing the foiling um at gamma and thinking that like okay this is like if you guys have ever have you ever held a cold foil for flesh and blood or seen what those look like i don't know if i have okay you got go to your so will... game store and we have them in the case we have some flesh and blood singles in the case um it is like it is it's very simple but it has like a like a silver or gold border uh, around like the text box and stuff and it just feels great and seeing the lorcana cards is like okay they 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 basically it felt like that foil treatment on every card so that that's gonna be a lot of fun to see how and, that opens up and you get one in every pack it's pretty nice yeah now we uh we saw the foil cards at uh, gamma as well and they are just stunning i mean that's and, and like the videos and the pictures that we took don't do it justice. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that's, that's what you'll, um, I think if you look at the fab stuff, that's what you'll see. And yeah, my, my, my cousin is like a huge Disney, um, freak and she's like all, all, all Disney all the time. She goes to Disney world multiple times a year and, um, and she knows that I own a, a card shop. And so she, she was like texting me like on announcements, she's like, are you going to have this? I'm like, what are you like? I haven't talked to you in <laughs> months. Like, what, what is this? But it, it is bringing out some, um, some people that aren't, aren't in the trading card hobby, but they're in like the collectible in, in you know, interest in collectibles, also Disney super fans. And so it'll, it'll be fun to see it. That's where it, it's what a cool opportunity for game stores to like introduce people to trading card games because that's mm-hmm. what's gonna you know people are gonna come in and um never the the intimidation factor is gonna be there uh, they're not gonna you know there's gonna be people playing that have been playing magic forever or or whatever you know they're gonna like dissect the game and and find the meta like immediately and so um these and then you're gonna have this like eight-year-old kid with his mom that like is like a crazy super fan of disney that's like are gonna be terrified and it's gonna be our job to be like we got you like we're, we're going to help you guide you through this process. And then, you know, Hey, by the way, you love this card game. It only comes out once every three months we have check out Pokemon or check out our board games. Or I think it's, it's such a cool opportunity for us to, to take advantage of that experience. And only, you know, it only, there's only so many intellectual properties that can get this kind of a crowd uh, into the, into the hobby. So uh, I'm excited. And you just happen to be down the freeway from Disneyland. The whole, <laughs> the whole the center of disneyana basically it's it's uh yeah it's, it's where dreams are made of <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna say i appreciate that you acknowledge how scary it is to go in the first time i remember the, going in for the first time at my local game store to play uh my hero it really was a scary experience but like once you're inside my experience was people are just super kind and they like took me by the hand and helped me understand the game so hopefully Lorcan is the same. Yeah, I think it uh I think it will be and 
and yeah, it's, it'll be a fun, fun opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also, I'm also, this is kind of a sidebar. It, it is kind of strange that they, uh, I guess it's intentional and I'm glad in a lot of ways, but they didn't, they haven't sent out solicitations for set two yet, which um, in my experience, every other card game that's launched usually asks for set two numbers before they even release set one. Um, mm. So it is, so it's kind of interesting to see that they haven't, they, I'm kind of glad they didn't choose to do that already, but it's, it's uh, just food for thought. <laughs> Watch them do it like the week before set one drops just to, just to not be able to give you any indication of, of what's happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it. I told you, I knew it knew it was coming guys. Knew it was coming. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I guess what we're going to move on to now is our weekly segment of the Lorcana lexicon. And uh, what is our word of the week, Jared? So the word of the week is area of effect. And you'll see the abbreviation AOE, uh, area of effect. And what it means is the best example is we had two cards that were just revealed. Uh, the giant Tinkerbell, I can't remember the official name, and then grab your swords. But each of these cards deal damage to each of the opposing characters instead of just one chosen character. So if you have a card or an effect that affects multiple cards, that's an area of effect. There you go. That's easy. And it can be, it can be anything besides damage, too. It could be healing. It can yep. be, uh, like... Uh, in in the case of Lorcana, exerting all the opponent's cards, anything or like that. Them. Yeah. Does it does the area of effect only do your opponent's cards, or does it do all the all the all the characters on the board? So, like uh, this Tinkerbell specifically says uh, it affects all of your opponent's uh, characters. So, if you're okay. playing multiplayer, it will get all of those. But I'm certain that, like James said, there will be cards that will say heal all of your characters by one point or something like that. So that would be an AOE in your favor on your side of the board. Yeah, got it. Since we're we're only at a, at just over fifty percent of set one uh, spoiled, uh, we don't have a lot of the what I guess a lot of people would consider standard to uh, TCG mm-hmm. cards revealed yet. The spicy uh, cards, yeah the the ones that people love to get to to build those decks to be as effective as possible. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah the the in magic the the way things are worded is like so important because it changes it changes those things so much so there's you know there there's cards that i don't even think they would there there isn't really a keyword for area of effect but they'll it'll say each all or or, you know things of that nature and there there are cards like a sweltering suns that will do three damage to like literally everything your characters your creatures all (laughs) the opponents yours and um so that's always that's always a good time and that's one of the things that uh, coming into a, a trading card game, you have to learn the importance of the way things are written, the way they're phrased, punctuation. Yep. All <laughs> very, very important in trading card games. Yep. Yeah. No, it makes it, makes it fun because then every time, especially once there's a couple sets out, every time there's a spoiler, everyone, you know, everyone's thinking, okay, wait, hold on a second. Like, how does that work with X, Y, and Z card and, and makes makes it fun. Yep. I cannot imagine designing a game and making sure that it's all balanced with prior sets. Yeah, that's that's what uh, with with Magic they have so many formats. So when they design a card, uh, you know, it's they have to imagine it existing in like seven different games because that's how many you know different versions of Magic 
more or less kind of exists. So, um, yeah, it's it's wild. But then they then they ban stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's it happens eventually. Okay. All right. So next up, we are going to cover some news bits and then the new cards we've gotten spoiled since our last episode. Uh, and first up, we have there is a an influencer event happening Saturday the fifteenth uh, in Germany, and I think it's about a hundred people got invited. Correct? Yeah, there were a hundred invites sent out, and we don't really know what's going on. But the invite, well, we talked about this last time, was on a giant Mickey Brave little Taylor card, and uh, I don't know. I'm keeping my eyes on social media on Saturday to see what happens. Yes. And so next episode, we should have details, maybe if they are allowed to reveal it, there may be NDAs uh, about what's going on. Well, uh, there's definitely NDAs. <laughs> some, some of them have already said it. But I mean, hopefully there's some part that isn't under NDA. Right. And then uh, we also have another French festival going on. Again, it's outdoors. I think it's happening right now, correct? Yeah. Right. As we're recording this on Wednesday. And uh, this is basically just another chance for people to demo the game. It's got tables and it's outdoors and they're just playing the game with the demo decks we saw at Gamma. Uh, so there's really nothing new going on there. Uh, right. But the the big new thing is we got so many cards. So uh, many cards. Let's just run through these really quick. Um, why don't you kick it off with the first one, the one we just talked about, the AOE Grab Your Sword. All right. So the first card we're talking about is Grab Your Sword. It's on steel, steel, gray. Yeah, steel. Um, it's five cost, not inkable. It's an action, but it's also a song, which uh, we'll talk about when we get down to the giant Tinkerbell. Um, but what it does is it deals two damage to each opposing character. And the only thing I'm thinking about is when you're playing multi-format, and if everybody's playing steel multiplayer, uh, there's going to be a lot of death and destruction on turns five and six <laughs> or four and five. For it's sure. a pretty, this is the card that everybody's been talking about and for a good reason. Yes. Yeah. We, I've been seeing so many people say, when are we getting AOE damage? And like, there's your AOE damage. This is going to be really good. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we get to Tinkerbell. But next up, we have uh, Triton, who is a seven cost inkable in Sapphire. He's a five uh, strength and a nine willpower, but he is a vanilla card and he has two lore. So he's basically just a really big body that you're going to lay down, not even uh, too far into the game with uh, Sapphire's ramp. I mean, you can get him out uh, probably in turn five pretty easily in Sapphire. Easy. Yep. I've been testing this deck and yeah, you can, you can get big cards out pretty quickly with the ramp. And why don't you uh, go ahead and talk about the pair that we got revealed at the same time. Yep. So in the Lorcana HQ Discord server, we, I don't know, it must be Little Mermaid Week. We uh, got Jetsam and Flotsam, um, Ursula's little eel companions. So they're both on Amethyst. Jetsam is a four cost inkable, three strength, three willpower, has evasive. But the thing that I love about these cards is that they buff each other. So uh, Jetsam has evasive, and when you play, like if Jetsam is on the table and you play Flotsam, then Flotsam gets evasive too. And saying Jetsam and Flotsam a lot makes me feel like I'm making up words. But <laughs> so Flotsam is a five cost uninkable. He has three strength, four wheel willpower, and he has rush, and he will grant Jetsam flop rush. 
word jumble here. So Flotsam has two lore, Jetsam has one lore. And together as a pair, they're pretty good. Individually, yeah, but as a pair, pretty good. So we have uh, Lilo next, uh, one cost uninkable in Amber, uh, one one, uh, but she has two lore. So she's basically the Amber version of the, uh, the Maleficent that is the same stats. Uh, vanilla, but this is one of those early early game ones where you can get it out and get some lore really quick. It's pretty basic. Yeah, and when you hide this behind uh, Simba that we're talking about uh, here in a in a couple cards as bodyguard, you might be able to get some extra mileage out of Lilo because otherwise Lilo just like she's a target. Yep, for sure. So the next one is Pongo, uh, old rascal, on Ruby. And if you guess that Pongo has evasive, you are correct. He's four cost, he's inkable, two strength, three willpower, and two lore. So Ruby's definitely got that evasive package going on. Yeah, there's lots more evasive going on there. It's just going to be all kinds of fun to deal with. Uh, next up, a six cost inkable steel, and it is Kronk from emperor's new groove he's a six six with two lore and vanilla so there's not really a whole lot to talk about with him except for he's there and how he's surprised are you how surprised are you that he doesn't have bodyguard i was surprised i'm surprised too but i think we might get another one yeah so the next card is this simba that he's talking about two cost inkable two strength three willpower and this simba does have bodyguard with one lore so it's cool that it's an early game uh, card that you can sneak out pretty early and uh, protect your other characters behind it. Yep. And it, when you're playing the uh, the deck with uh, Stitch that you're getting a bunch of low-cost cards out, you can get a, possibly get a few of these out to protect all your other ones to last a little bit longer, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Except if you get the next card, if you're playing against Steel, and they get the Giant Fairy Tinkerbell, the six-cost inkable four strength, five willpower with two lore. And uh, this Tinkerbell is shiftable onto another Tinkerbell. So she can be played for four. Uh, and she has the ability to rock the boat. When you play this character, deal one damage to all opposing character, to each opposing character. And uh, an additional ability, Puny Pirate, which is when, during your turn, when you when this character banishes another character, you can deal two more damage to another chosen character so good so good this and also character. how good is this artwork i mean i love that yeah. giant sassy tinkerbell <laughs> and Pretty of cool. course and of course uh this is the, the card that we were talking about this card can sing the grab your sword card to deal two more damage to everyone if you play it onto a sh on, onto if you shift it onto a tinkerbell you can play it immediately and you can sing her immediately so you could deal three damage in one turn to every opposing character, which so is good. pretty awesome. The next card is also pretty awesome. Kind of awesome. It's <laughs> a one-cost inkable amethyst. It's an action card. It has Merlin from Sword in the Stone. It's called Befuddle. Return a character item with cost two or less to their player's hand. So goodbye to my magic mirrors and flounders. What's the, How many cards can you have in a deck? 60. Or, uh, sorry, of, of like duplicate copies? Can four. You have, like, three? You four. four. Okay. Okay. Four. Yeah. I could see this being a four of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Is there a sideboard? What's the side? Is there a best of one? 
uh, it's a best of three, and there has been no uh, word in, no word about sideboards yet. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah, maybe not four. Maybe you run three of these. <laughs> but yeah, being able to return a card that's two or less to your hand that only costs one, uh, that's pretty good. Because I mean, especially in the decks that are that, like I said, the stitch deck that is is playing a bunch of those kind of cards, uh, you getting all kinds of stuff back in your hand to be able to play it again is pretty cool. Is um is this at like what's the speed that you can cast this? Is it like instant speed, or do you have to do it on it's, your turn? It's on your turn. It's always okay. on your turn. Yeah, there's no player interaction. Uh, okay. like magic. So it's always everything happens on your turn that you do. Yeah, well, it's nice that you can because you can choose to bounce your own thing or your opponent's stuff. So that having that right, so that flexibility is pretty cool. Man, it's like you've been playing this whole time. <laughs> just, just, you know, pick, I'm picking it up as we're going here. <laughs> and Man, I was going to ask you if you had any questions when we we're all done with the cards, but I, I love this. Yeah, no, I just uh, I'm trying to think of uh, yeah, one cost things that interact this way are usually pretty busted and have give you a lot of different tempo options so that's that's cool see for new players like me that's good to know <laughs> yeah well, well it sounds like travis isn't a tcg veteran either if he just started in 2019 i guess that's four years yeah well the store was uh it was 20 2015 is when the first store opened oh okay okay yeah. my bad yeah so um and that that was the my world of magic started then but i i'm I'm terrible at combat math. Like this podcasting and looking at cards on a screen and talking about it is is like my my speed. But in the moment, <laughs> it gets it gets it gets much worse with it when there's stakes involved. Yeah, I was, I was I was explaining that you know I was been playing a few games with proxies recently and it's just losing a lot and just realizing that just being able to throw stuff in there like okay I have some ones and some twos and some threes and I know some of the abilities are great. And then losing and being like, I there's so much to learn to to build deck building and playing and decision points and it's like this is gonna take forever to learn. It's fun. It's fun once you have like um, just a couple people to test with, even if it's a a new game. That's what when when we first got into Flesh and Blood, we had bought a box of the first set and we were like, all right, we're just gonna open one box. We're gonna make the best deck because I think that there's four character classes when that game came out. And you just pick, you know, one of you. We we built the best deck that we could for each of the four classes that were available, just from one box. And the decks were terrible, but they were at least like you could test them out and be like, all right, what felt good about this matchup? What didn't feel good? And and that that's just it's fun. It's fun doing that with a new game, just because everyone's kind of doing that at the same time. Um, the meta isn't solved yet, especially you know, I guess it could be quote unquote before you know once all the spoilers are out, but not really. So we'll see. That that's the that's the the beauty the beauty time. Yes. And then we have one final card that was revealed, and that is Merlin himself, the self-appointed mentor. He's a four-cost inkable, uh, three strength, four willpower, one lore, and he has support, which means whenever he quests, he adds his strength to chosen character strength this turn. And since he is a three strength, that is much better than Hey Hey, so that is pretty cool. I love this card so much. I mean... Number one, it's a cool looking card, but number two, like uh, this gives cards like Mickey, uh, Detective, Detective Mickey, it gives him the ability to punch up a lot higher than he could otherwise. Right. Or if you drop down like a, ref, a Rush Rafiki, 
that Rafiki can also punch up higher. I mean, it's just, I, I really like this card. Indeed. So that's all the cards. And so the final news item that we wanted to talk about, which is just happened today on, uh, on the 12th, uh, when we're recording this just a few hours ago, we got the uh, answer to the upper deck lawsuit, which is that uh, Robinsberger and Ryan Miller filed to dismiss yeah. the upper deck lawsuit. And there's a lot of legal details in it, um, which we are not lawyers, so we are not going to go into. But I guess they they have to answer soon-ish, was my impression. Uh, yeah. They're, they're going to be in court in like just a couple days. Or making it something like that. that. Yeah, that I, that I don't know. Like they're they're trying to move the case uh, either to Washington or to a federal level. Um, but like you said, we're not lawyers. I would refer to Paul Lesko on Twitter. L E S K O, and uh, yeah, he did a whole thread going through the whole thing. And so, if you're interested, go check it out. the The, the thing that I took away from his breakdown was he was talking about uh, Robinsberger claims that Lorcana was in development months before Ryan Miller came on board, and if that's the case, then Upper Deck doesn't really have any leg to stand on. So. I, I, that will be an interesting thing to to see. Right. So we we'll just have to continue waiting. Yeah, Travis. Any questions from uh, what we talked about? No, I just uh, this is kind of random. Have you have you guys seen the show on HBO called Succession? Have not. not. I've heard great okay. things about it though. It's it's Same. so it's so demented and dark, and I'm recommending it official. As I'm not recommending the show in any <laughs> official official capacity, <laughs> but. I, it's basically follows like this huge mega corporation and their family, you know, and stuff. And, but I was just thinking of like, not that, not that this should be related to, to Disney at all, but I'm pretty sure um, the, uh, the firm or the, the folks supporting a Disney IP, their like legal crew probably has a little bit more weight than upper deck. So I, I don't know. I think, I think, I think we're going to be, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, well, and uh, Robinsberger hired Perkins Cooey, who are like top-notch lawyers. So, there you yeah, go. Think That's, so, yeah, I think think we're think we'll be okay. But I was worried there for when this first when it first came out. Yeah. I was I was very grateful that we had not pre-sold anything <laughs> <laughs> when I heard this was starting, and then I was like, ah, it's Disney. I think we're we're probably going to be okay. Yeah, I think so. And speaking of Disney, I think it's time to quiz Travis on some Disney trivia and see how he does. <laughs> so if I get a high enough score, does that mean you, you guys will invite me back? <laughs> no, of course. My, kid, my kids welcome. think I'm my kids think I'm like a movie star right now. I'm like, guys, I, I gotta go do this <clears throat> podcast. My my ten year old's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. I love it. So just, just you know, invite just just my inbox is always open. <laughs> and, and as a disclaimer, I asked you ahead of time what level of trivia you're comfortable with. So we tried to pick some medium difficulty questions for you. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, we'll, we'll, it's hard to know the scale, but we'll, we'll find out. We'll see how it's it true. It's true. Okay. So you know how Jeopardy works, right? Yeah, I'm going to pick a category and then you're going to, is there any visual aids here or is it uh, like a no. one, one to five? Just one to five. It's, it's one to five. Okay. No visual aids. Okay. Uh, I have all the questions picked out, and I'll give you the answer, and then you give me the question. 
Oh God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> for one hundred, and, and we're not, and we're also not very strict about that. So okay, but, uh, that's exactly. Uh, what I, I need to try say. doing the what is what is is, yeah. is how I start my concentrate on the answer more than the question, right? All right, all right, fair. We'll, we'll right. Just... This was the first Pixar movie for one hundred. What is Toy Story? Ding 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 ding. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. My my, okay. my, my boy Steve Jobs. That's right. Yeah. Uh, for two hundred. This is the animal that Emperor Cusco was turned into in the Emperor's New Groove. What is a horse? So close. Very close. Do I get a second guess? Sure. Oh, I, uh, I, I, okay. No, I don't actually. I got nothing. <laughs> it's what is it? It is a llama. Llama. I don't know if I was that close. <laughs> that was generous. I'm a four-legged furry <laughs> animal. <laughs> uh, if I'm striking okay. out on that, that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. For 300, this is the name of Rapunzel's pet chameleon. He's like, oh no. There's no chance. <laughs> I should have gone easy mode, but no, I've got, I've got nothing. Okay, beep, okay. Beep. Well, what is Pascal? And he has no yeah. chance on the next one unless he's actually gone to the movies recently. Yeah, and well, I wish I. Mean... I it's not gonna. This is bad. This is my if my <laughs> if my cousin who's again a Disney freak. Sorry, Jill. Um, <laughs> I should have had you come. I should have phoned a friend. I say but, but be is... so disappointed, right? Yep. This is <laughs> a movie that that we kind of grew up with, so maybe you have a chance with this. Um, this is the name of Prince Eric's dog in The Little Mermaid. Oh man. It's also the name of the horse in Rapunzel. Is it? Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Did, did you guys you guys know that know this stuff? How did I'm, yes. you guys yeah. are, you guys are impressive. So that is hard. You're, that is... you're obsessed with providing a world class business environment. We're obsessed with Disney, so yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh let me down. Let me down easy. But that is now if is... we if we had asked like uh how many sets has Flesh and Blood released? Would that be something that would be more? I I could at least have a, a guess that would be <laughs> plus or minus like one or two. Right. I think I need like um, how many Dalmatians were in the first <laughs> Dalmatians movie, and then you know I'd have a chance. So um, oh I know what. Here, let me see if I can come up with one that really. Oh, you asked for the last one because this last one might actually be the five hundred point might be one of the easier ones. Believe it or not. Anyway, the answer, do we answer the the, the Eric's dog? Did we no, answer? no. It was Max. Uh, what is Max? Max. Yeah. yeah, what is Max? Okay, okay. Okay, so for 500, the song Bella Note is the famous dinner song from Lady and the Tramp. This is what Bella Note means in English. This is the night. This is this is brutal. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I've got nothing. James said this was an easy one, so I'm I'm throwing that on James but again. I just watched this like a couple months ago, and you know, so yeah. Well, I apologize for for really uh really. I should have gone easy. I I should have known better. It uh it means beautiful night, bella note. Beautiful. And night. I probably butchered that. No, you you did okay. You did all right. Okay. 
It's yeah. good. I like the segment. I think, um, yeah, I think ne- next time you invite me back, hopefully I'm going to pick, I'm going to go easy. <laughs> and then we'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm going to make some trivia for you guys. That's what we're going to oh. do. Oh, let me see Real if challenge. I with a, what level we're going for here. Okay, so this is another name one, but it's more recent. Uh, what is the name of the uh, reindeer in Frozen? Okay. I know, I've seen this, this movie's been on in my house a lot, like a lot, and historically, many many times i uh or his or his or his not i wouldn't say master but also his buddy either one what is what is sven there we go i'm in i'm on the board i'm on the board there you go you were on the board with toy story that's true i started i started strong and i I think if if a guest (laughs) gets if they get three answers incorrect in a row you should just like punt them off the zoom call it's just like elimination that's hilarious we we play like we've got a little basketball net in my son's room and we just play like basically three strikes you're out you know first shot's good second shot you're heating up third shot you're on fire and then you then you you win basically but if you if you miss three in a row you're just you're kicked out kicked out of the room then right yep yeah all right so it's a brutal home yeah it's not quite that bad (laughs) for sure yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up now. But let me just say that I am so happy that I am going to be playing in your store, uh, based on just this conversation that we had. Uh, I can't wait to to just hang out there and uh, become one of those people that hopefully everyone is is uh, has all those good relationships and interactions and and has a good time there going forward for however long I get to play there. Awesome. No, I'm looking forward to it. And- all right. So. If people want to find you online, um, Travis, where can they find you? Yeah, so we're—I mean, our our, our stores, um, social profiles are everywhere for for Kingslayer Games on 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 Twitter. I think I'm Travis Young Twelve. Uh, if you want to find me directly on there, but um, but yeah, I think um, let me just confirm that yes, that's that's what it is. So Travis Young Twelve on Twitter. If you have any you know direct questions, or Travis at KingslayerGames.com. If anyone has any uh, business inquiries or uh, any thoughts about uh, how we do things, and I'm a really open book when it comes to you know business practices and our our you know mission and values and our our, our kind of company strategy. So I love having conversations. That I think it gets me excited about our future um, in the hobby as well, just talking about it. So so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely around. That's awesome, and thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. So thank you. Uh, if, if you liked what you heard, you can follow us on YouTube. You can subscribe to us on the podcast of your choice. You can find me on Twitter at Citizens of Lorcana. And James, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me everywhere at Dan Regal. And you can also check out for, well, next week after Comic-Con, the wrap-up show for the San Diego Comic-Con unofficial blog. And then I'll be going into hibernation on Comic-Con stuff. Uh, so, uh, thank you all for joining us. And again, thank you, Travis, for joining us and we'll see you next time. Yep. Thanks for having me guys.